Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to another Nacho Tuesday. And today I have Jacopo with Dokin. And without further ado, we would love if you can give us a quick elevator pitch for what your company does. Yes, thanks, Andy. Um, so Dokin is a data platform integrated in spreadsheets. Uh, we allow marketing teams, sales operations to sync live data from their CRMs, their marketing channels, their SQL databases into Google Sheets. So thanks to our ability to connect this data, uh, these teams can automate their reporting and create live and dynamic dashboards in their spreadsheets. Perfect. So <clears throat> what got you down this path in your career? Um, you know, you and I were able to meet, uh, luckily, because uh, you were in uh, New York last week, so we we're able to kind of catch up on everything. But uh, for the uninitiated watching today, uh, we'd love to hear more about your career and kind of your backstory and how you got, uh, how you came down this path. Yeah, sure. Uh, so I have um, more of a finance background. I started out, I've always worked with startups. Um, I started out at Augury in London. Augury is an advertising technology company. Uh, so back then in London, I was their first finance hire. And uh, that's really when I started to uh, get interested into startups and really seeing also the importance of leveraging data, especially marketing and go-to-market data in the right way. Uh, then I moved to Paris and I joined Blablacar. Uh, Blablacar may not be that known here in the US, uh, but it's a, a pre-IPO company um, backed by uh, Silicon Valley VCs operating out of France, it's very big in Europe and South America. And I worked there seven years. I was the head of FPNA. FPNA stands for Financial Planning and Analysis. So I was the one in charge with forecasts, budgeting, financial report, and all of that. And so in that position, I was working a lot with marketing teams, operations teams, uh, strategy teams, and stuff like that. And every time I was uh, building reports or dashboards, uh, I had to extract data from uh, their own software, rework in spreadsheets, create formulas. And the problem with that was that I was never working with live data. And so as soon as uh, I had data changing in one of the software or in another spreadsheet, I had to redo everything from the beginning, everything from scratch. Jeez. And so with another colleague from Blablacar, Virginie, um, we started looking for solutions. We really couldn't find one that was suiting us. And so that's when we decided to create our own. And um, so we started working on docking a bit more than a year ago. We released our first beta in uh, February of 2023. Um, and yes, started out with our MVP uh, back in May. Perfect. How's the uh, launch been so far? Uh, <clears throat> have you learned anything along the way? Yes, plenty. So it's, it's been a it's a crazy journey when you when you when you launch your startup because you try so many things, you iterate a lot. We speak with so many different people, um, and it's a real a real roller coaster. You know, there's uh, times when you think you have figured something out, uh, times when you really have to start from scratch. Um, I would say that particular thing is that um, you really have to talk a lot with people. I think uh, this adventure really told me, I mean, taught me that you have to speak with as many people as possible. Business is really about people so that you can figure out their problems and see a solution that's really suitable for them. Yeah. And how do you, um, <clears throat> I guess, delineate between, you know, good feedback and maybe some feedback that might not be as qualified? Because um, to your point, a lot of people are giving you feedback from so many different directions and everything. It's kind of hard to filter through all that. Yeah, it, yeah, it, it's it's really easy. I think at the beginning, uh, when you're trying to make the first revenue, 
to build a product that suits every request and everybody just want to make the sale. Um, in our case, what's really helpful is that we've been through the problem ourselves. So we, right. we live that. So we were able to keep a vision um, that is in line with uh, the experience and what we've also heard from our first uh, beta users. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's still important to uh, keep an eye on uh, you know, on adjacent possibilities on different targets, for example, or um, maybe different pivots that you could do to, to your product and also to see the trends in the market to make sure that you really hit that product market fit that at the beginning it's very, it's very hard to keep. So I think the vision of the founders is really important to make sure that uh, you're not easily influenced by any type of uh, request. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. And uh, the best entrepreneurs I've always seen, and you know, I've interviewed a lot of a lot of great people. Um, uh, they usually really come from understanding the problem, so they work really close to the situation at hand. Um, and many of them, you know, have been in. They, they realize the problem themselves because they've been working in the industry or, or a particular industry niche, and you know, they understand as maybe even a customer themselves potentially for this problem in the past. The best way to potentially go about solving that. Yeah, absolutely. It's. Um... I think it's easier when you live the problem yourself. Then, of course, I think there's many people that are able to start a business um, even without having lived the problem firsthand, but yeah. they have a good understanding of uh, the market or the product yeah. that they're selling. But it's easier when you live the problem. Yep, definitely. <laughs> I guess, uh, what are the tips you have for startups to get their early initial sales traction? And what should they do with that early revenue? Well, I, I think. Yeah, we made plenty of mistakes along the way, and I'm sure we're still making them. Um, but yeah, my, my two cents is really, as I was saying, I think business is about people. So you should be at the beginning having an agenda that is full with meetings with your potential uh, customers. So you really want to speak with your ideal target audience to understand their problems, build a solution that really answers that problem, see the existing solutions that are available and see if you can offer something different, something more uh, for them. Yeah. And I think uh, at the beginning, it's all about that. Uh, if you're able to make the first revenues, you should reinvest it in activities that allow you to uh, find the right channels to make the sales. Yeah. Um, it's normal to try a lot of things. So you you know, you, you might start with reaching out on people on LinkedIn, emailing, maybe in some cases, some people are good with advertising. And so they do some Facebook ads, Google ads, wow. trying to try many things. Uh, it's important to understand which ones are working better to speaking with the right uh, audience, with your right potential customers. Yep. And when you start making your first revenue, really reinvest in those. And sometimes it's uh, important to do the hard things first, right? So maybe even if you have to pick up the phone and, you know, as uh, another person we interviewed, Coco said, uh, a lot of people don't even need cold calls these days anymore. Sometimes you just have to be proactive to reach out one-to-one -one and get those first initial early sales on board, um, you know, and then, and then kind of grow from there. But um, those, you know, it all comes down to those personal relationships. And, you know, even if it's, uh, you know, doing the one-to-one -one sales, you're still learning a lot from those customers when you're talking to them initially. Absolutely. And uh, I think that everyone is really open to discuss when you come to them asking for how you can help them. You know, uh, people are very open to uh, 
give you 15 minutes, 30 minutes of their time uh, when you're offering to to understand their problem and help them solve them. So it's really, as you said, often it's very manual. Uh, you have to reach out to so many people on LinkedIn or via email. Uh, but yeah, you, you don't need, you don't have to be afraid to go out there and speak with people. It's really about that. And uh, ha having been somebody that's worked in the financial industry for many years, uh, you know, cash flow is the uh, lifeblood of a company. What kind of trends have you seen for companies that are operating in a financially healthy way? And what kind of tips could you offer for SMB owners to better uh, manage their cash flow? Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think it's uh, yeah, cash is the most important thing at the end of the day uh, when you have, even if you're a startup or a bigger company, at the end, it all, it all comes down to cash. Um, when I was working at Blah Blah Car, we had um, one of our values was be lean, go far, and uh, it it was a principle and approach that uh, as managers we had to uh, really live by, uh, meaning that you should always act like if you're a, a bootstrapped company, even if you're uh, backed by VCs, uh, you should always make investments that have sense that can really uh, optimize the growth of the company um, and your effectiveness as a team. And I think that an health, it's a very healthy way to go on about uh, your cash and your cash flow because it gives you this approach of uh, uh, treating your cash as a, as a limited resource. Yeah. And that's something that helped us a lot when I was a blah, blah, car because uh, you know, as a company, we were able to really go through a lot of uh, difficult ways because you you never know when you know a new black swan could arise uh, for example uh, a big hit was covid but we had the right resources in place the right cash in place to go through that and yeah every company goes through the ups and down and having a healthy way of managing cash it's really gonna help you go through those and this is especially true now that you know i'm starting out uh, docking mm -hmm. Keeping this bootstrapped way when you're actually bootstrapped, it's yep. super healthy as a way of managing your first days. Definitely. What a, I guess, how have you seen other SMBs or startups bleed cash? Uh, what are some common ways uh, that you've seen that happen? Uh, I think one of, I mean, it also depends on the industries you're in, the type of business, the way you're structured as a company. Um, but one thing that I always uh, recommend to uh, founders or uh, other people that could come and share and ask for tips is to not be too quick in signing fixed costs um, because those are costs that you'll have to face uh, independently uh, on the activity of your business and in some cases they might be necessary you know you might you might need to hire more people uh, you, you might need to uh, hire a bigger uh, office space but I think you should always be careful in uh, when you sign those costs not to be uh, too soon in making that decision. Uh, you should really see the upsides of doing those investments and what are also the disadvantages. You should always be very rational about that and maybe put the revenues ahead of actually signing those costs. Um, at least this comes from you know uh, my career that was marked from initial uh, big availability of cash um, growth and then marked by events like uh, COVID crisis, uh, the inflations and all the, the the current economic situation that 
puts a bit of precaution in your approach. Um, but I think, yeah, those fixed costs can really uh, can be, be a hurdle to manage when, um, when difficult time comes. Definitely. Yeah. And I think a lot of companies, you know, too easily uh, hire people and then they're too ready, uh, readily able to let them go. Um, so you see that with a lot of tech companies too, they'll over hire for positions and then, you know, an ec economic downturn ha happens and they just let, let a bunch of people go. It's, you know, but if they would have better managed it at the beginning, you know, maybe they wouldn't have hired all those positions that they didn't have enough work for, <laughs> in my opinion. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, um, uh... As you grow as a company, it's very easy to fall into the trap of overhiring. You know, we want to grow, we want to go fast, so we need to add a bunch of salespeople there, more engineers. Uh, I think it's important to have. When we were at Blablacar, we had a hiring committee that was composed of different teams. Kine was in it, uh, CFO, HR, and every new hire had to go through a kind of uh, you know challenge of the process. And many companies do that. Uh, and I think you really need to um, to have a structured way of making these decisions, because mm -hmm. uh, yeah, otherwise you end up in those bad situation where you you find yourself over hiring and you need to take the terrible decision of letting someone go. Yeah, because a lot of people kind of <clears throat> base their career on you too, you know, right? <laughs> so you got to kind of keep that in mind, right? So um, the other way I've seen a lot of people bleed cash, it's advertising or spending too much money on marketing before they've really figured out product market fit um, or, you know, really realize that there's a return on uh, ad spend in, in that regard. Have you seen a kind of similar thing with a lot of startups? Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. And I won't lie, it's, um, it's a mistake that we were about to make as well when uh, when we started out docking. Uh, we were like, okay. We have some ideas in mind. We're going to test with some ads, uh, but the truth is that until you haven't really figured out your your ideal persona, product market fit, and uh, you really have in mind, uh, you really have uh, already figured out a way to to make your campaigns work, mm -hmm. you end up doing a yeah, just wasting money on bidding wars on your Google ads or your Facebook ads and stuff like that. Yeah. I think you be there again, you need to be very careful, do it at the right timing, right moment on some specific actions that can really leverage, yeah. uh, can help you leverage really revenue from those investments. Yeah, I've seen a lot spent on like PR, for instance, right? I mean, if you're getting great PR, it's great to have some logos on your website, it adds a lot of credibility, but um, you could spend a lot of money on PR and it could generate a lot of nothing sometimes. And, you know, I see a lot of startups really, you know, focus so much on trying to get their brand out there so much. And the, I guess the ego or vanity around having, you know, tech crunch logos on their website that they'll dump a bunch of money into PR and never really actually get much out of it. Yeah. Uh, you know, not realizing that maybe, you know, maybe their product might not be as, you know, story worthy initially. Right. Um, you know, and, some PR company, the, the the wrong ones will take your money for it. <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah. Like, oh. I think when you're a founder, there's so many ways of wasting your money. You know, yeah. a, a lot of people are coming after your money, especially <laughs> weirdly enough, when you maybe don't have uh, as many as you should, they mm -hmm. come after your money. So it's, you know, cash, as we mentioned, is super important. So you should be, there's a time for everything. You should be very careful on the way you spend it.
Absolutely. Yeah. Cause a lot of times they'll, they'll track the, the companies that are raising money and they'll say, congratulations on your raise. Would you like to spend some money? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, I guess a lack of organization is another big key concern I've seen for companies. And one of the reasons a lot of companies fail as well, how does data management come into play to prevent that? Uh, since you've kind of experienced that yourself in the financial industry and the reason why you started Doken. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, you know, one of the first, um, important career lessons, but also uh, when we started out docking, we, we spoke with some we had the lack of having some good advisors um, and people are happy to help us uh, both when you're starting out as a company but also once you grow um, you're going to try out a lot of things and uh, that's important you know it can be energy consuming but it's important to try out new things as long as you're able to measure their effectiveness uh, and i think that's something you should be doing from day one we were lucky enough to have good advice on this. Um, from day one at Dokken, we started uh, try testing out many things, many channels, many ways of going into market, but we measure everything. So we make sure that you know we give ourselves some time frames of a couple of months, three months, and see how every channel is actually doing. Because um, it doesn't matter really the stage where you are at, it's important that you have the right data framework to measure all of your actions, uh, that you gather the right data, first of all, um, that it's really relevant to you and that helps you measure uh, your go-to-market strategy and also your financial situation uh, and make sure that you're always on, on track and able to take the right decisions based on that. So this is, I think, something that it's... Uh, especially at the beginning, it's very hard to implement because you're busy with so many things and you're like, yeah, it's fine. I'm going to reach out on people on LinkedIn. I'm going to send a bunch of emails. Uh, I'm going to do some advertising, etc. But you should really take a step back, make sure that you have a, a right data framework that allows you to manage and understand how many emails have you sent, uh, what's you know your effectiveness rate there, how many meetings are you booking, how much are you spending on your ads, um, what is this returning to, uh, how's your CTA performing on your landing page? All a bunch of stuff that really helps you understand the right channels that you should prioritize, for example, in the future. Yeah, documentation helps for everything too. So especially as your company grows, you're able to look back in time and see what works, what doesn't work. Um, and having a consistent framework across the entire company is really key too, right? So everybody's measuring the same you know, KPIs, especially when it comes to sales, marketing, and you know, communicating that to the CEO and vice versa. Um, everybody's kind of aligned, trying to drive the same business goals, but it all starts with uh, having that framework in place at the beginning. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I guess what other kind of op other common operations mistakes you see a lot of founders make? Um, I, th I think, I think there's several ones depends really on the stage. Uh, I think at the beginning, uh, the, the, the risk is really wasting your energies on I'm doing plenty of things and i think that's again that's why it's important to be able to measure everything because you might try new things and at some point you you'll have to focus because you're a human and it makes sense to investing on things that really bring you uh, more users more clients and convert better yeah so at the beginning i think the issue is mostly you lack time you you're trying to make sales and so you end up um, doing a lot of uh, different things and draining your energies. Um, 
also at the beginning, you know, we mentioned the fact of wanting to appeal to too many audiences. And I think that's also a big operational risk at the beginning because you end up building a product that's a bit of a Frankenstein. You, you have a, a bunch of features that don't have sense um, and you're wasting a lot of time building new features, creating new features, while you should really be focusing first on understanding your target and then building something behind that. Um, and I think as you grow, uh, you know, you start hiring, having a bunch of different teams. Uh, I think one of the issues is really aligning all those teams, um, particularly when it comes to uh, you know, your strategy, your, your go-to-market and having uh, data that somehow is spreaded in the right way between those teams and avoid the really data silos. For example, when we were at BlaBlaCar, we, we had a lot of, uh, we're a bad company, we had a lot of budgets, we had a lot of software, but it wasn't always easy um, getting the right data and, and yeah. sharing the right information between the different teams. Yeah, And this is something that, yeah, operationally can be, uh, very time consuming uh, and bring uh, also a risk of not making the right decisions. Yep. I guess what kind of tools do you commonly see integrated with say your platform? Uh, I guess what, what tools are a lot of other startups using to integrate their data? So I see a lot of, um, so right right now, for example, in Docking, we integrate with more than 20 applications. Uh, it goes from the CRMs, marketing channels, or SQL databases, mostly. Um, and I think that depending on the type of business that you are, having a CRM, for example, uh, very early on uh, can look like a, an overkill, um, but I think it's very helpful, helpful in structuring uh the way you uh, go after your market you you book your calls you book your demos helps you give you again that structure from day one to understand how effective you are in your in your go-to-market uh, so i think if you're sales driven it's really about that and uh, and yet also in general really having a good understanding of the traffic on your landing page how is that converting uh where are the sources where it's coming from and making sure that um, you you pay an attention on uh, the way you're speaking with uh, your targets there. That's a good point. So I guess um, <clears throat> failure comes with any profession. Can you tell us maybe about a time that you failed and what you learned from it? Uh, I mean, th there's of course a lot of failures that, that I think I have been through and I still go through. Um, Maybe the, the most painful ones uh, and the, the ones that can really hurt both from a moral perspective, but also from, um, you know, from, from a team perspective, from a company perspective can be the uh, not hiring the, the right person, like somebody who's not necessarily aligned with uh, the values of your team or the company. I think that uh, the cost of um, a bad hire can really translates into um, more frustrations, not just for the person that you hire, but also for their teammates, uh, for the team more in general. So it's, I think that it, it's it's not an easy task, but it's very important at the beginning to focus on uh, understanding whether there's an alignment of values between the hire and the team, because this can then have 
uh, yeah, bigger costs uh, when when things go wrong. Yeah, definitely, especially for early stage startups, uh, the core team is uh, you know so important. Um, you know, if you get that right, it's a lot easier to stick everything else from there. Um, I guess, do you have any tips for uh, interviewing such individuals to kind of pull out whether they have a vision alignment or they're the right fit for your company? Uh, I think that nowadays we, um, some, something that I'm seeing is that a, a lot in terms of hiring is done, um, you know, we, we test a lot of technical skills. Okay. Uh, you know, normally when you go through a hiring process, there's uh, a bunch of questions you have to answer, you send your CVs, and then there's a case study you do first. So yep. technical skills are very well tested. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think we should really spend time on having, uh, you know, more, more informal setups between the person who's being hired and the current existing team yep. to really see if uh, they share values, they share, uh, you know, a common work ethic, a way of doing things yep. that I can go on for the long the long run. Um, I, I've seen, for example, in, in the past, some companies where you had really a couple of hours mm -hmm. where the new hire, I mean, the, the prospect hire was yeah. coming into the office or uh, and just sharing a cup of coffee with the team, yeah. uh, really two hours where the team could ask questions, they could share any ways they work together, um, have kind of a like a, a kind a kind of set workshop together yeah. where they share the ways of working their past their future their visions uh, and that really helps making the decision yeah then of course you're you're not always protected from from things going wrong but i think uh -huh. it's really something that is worth doing especially at the beginning uh, especially when it comes as you said to the core team because this can really really hurt you um, if things go wrong yeah, that's a great point. Definitely, you know, it's not just like a CEO to new hire interview, but just uh, to have them interview other people that they'd be working with on a regular basis. Um, also ensure that, you know, maybe maybe they should interview with other people on the team that they might not be working directly with, but, you know, over time, maybe, you know, they might come across their way and have to work together. Um, but getting those, you know, multiple viewpoints from employees would really help tell you as well if that person's a good fit or not. Yeah. And I remember when I was a blah, blah, car, um, I wasn't one of the first hires, but still, um, as part of the process, we had a call with uh, our CEO at the time. Uh, and, you know, it was an easy call, uh, just 30 minutes, but it was important to keep uh, that advice from the CEO to understand if the person was really aligned with the values of uh, the company. And I think that as a founder, it's important to keep that approach, uh, to care for the people that are being hired, to really understand if the new additions to the team are aligned with the with the vision that you have. That's a great point. I guess, uh, what other challenges did he face as a company and how did he overcome them? Um, yeah, I, th I think uh, launching a startup is a daily challenge, really. <laughs> uh, every day there's a new one. And, uh, you know, I, I was joking with uh, my co-founder, Virginie, that I'm very worried if something goes well, because it means that there's something bad right after coming. Because, <laughs> uh, because yeah, sometimes you, right after you have a success, you have a, a major setback that you have to work on again. Okay. Uh, I think at the beginning, the issue is really um, 
getting into the market, really getting to your target, uh, making sure that you're having those important conversations that you need to have with your target users, with your first user, signing the first customers. I think this was initially the challenge. Now the challenge that we have, uh, it's mostly um, being able to match demand that is growing at a higher pace than we expected and uh, uh, bringing the product to the level that is expected from the new demand that is coming. Uh, so it's uh, it's it's a really tricky point because you need to be able to uh, bring in new leads, new users, new customers, uh-huh. and at the same time being able to deliver really quickly on the product side. Because, uh, for example, if you have some minor bugs and a lead went through your acquisition funnel and then they meet this bug, maybe you lose them forever. So you need to be able to step up your game from the technical point of view, but also from the acquisition size to make sure that they they match. Yeah, that's a great point. Early stage, you can, you know, maybe hustle on a few, you know, friends and customers, people that you know. Um, but, you know, as you look to scale your company, you know, all those details really matter, right? So that initial experience in the UX, if somebody runs into a bug, they just assume your whole company doesn't work. Yeah, exactly. um, they have no relationship with you. And, you know, a lot of people don't have the time to waste to try to figure, figure stuff out. Um, unless you're solving a really, you know, painful problem for them. Uh, most people just kind of forget about your company and move on. So, yeah, you make a good point about that, uh, that growth period where you really have to get those details in line for your company, making sure the product is, you know, A+, plus, uh, the customer experience is great, uh, you know, all of your communication, the way you talk to your customers is all aligned as well, too. Uh, that's really important. So there's consistency in the messaging there, too. Yeah, absolutely. And uh... Uh, again, I think at the beginning it's super. It's a tough job because um, it, it's easy to get drawn into the wheel of making new sales and going after so many things, so many new leads, uh, uh, and then putting pressure on the product side where you want to build all features. <laughs> and at the end, you end up with something that is not really answering to the pains of no one. Yeah, I've been there before too. Yeah, you can't be the master all tra- uh, the jack of all trades and the master of none. <laughs> um, so I guess what what are the key takeaways would you like our audience to know about Doken and you know why they should choose your service? Well, I think if you're you know using data in functions like marketing, sales, uh, operations, I feel your pain. I've been through uh, um, what you're going through. I know that it can be a challenge sometimes to have a clear overview of your go-to-market data and really make sense to it. Come give Dokin a try. We're really trying to build a product that answers to your needs and allows you to have a 360 view of uh, your go-to-market strategy. Uh, We're curious to hear feedback. We're curious to hear how we can really improve your life. So give it a try and be happy to have a chat with you and, and see how we can help. Right. And if anybody's interested in getting their document management aligned and uh, now looking to scale their company, because like we mentioned earlier, you got to get all that stuff done early on, uh, the sooner the better. Uh, You can grab it today in the uh, Nacho Nacho Marketplace, the best place to buy SaaS. Uh, I believe you guys have it for 30% cash back right now. Exactly. 30% cash back. Yeah. Perfect. Well, um, sounds like a great product and uh, it's great to meet you in person, Jacopo, and uh, looking forward to meet you in person, uh, hopefully in Europe this next time. (laughs) Absolutely. It was great to meeting you too and chat with you. And uh, yeah, really happy to to have had this chat. Likewise. Thanks, Shikopa. Take care. Thank you. Thank you. Cool.